Hi parents, are you feeling unfulfilled by parenthood? Convinced you're doing it all wrong? Experiencing a sense of shame and confusion despite trying every positive and gentle parenting strategy out there only to find that they backfire with your child and you just want things to get better? If so, you've come to the right place. My name is Bevan Walters. I'm a certified parent coach and educator with more than 25 years of experience. I specialize in supporting parents of complex kids, and I do so through my unique 3D parent model, a simplified approach to parenting complex kids. I believe that every parent has the capacity to become the parenting expert of their own children. I'll show you the way. Welcome to a journey of empowered parenting on the 3D Parent Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 85 of the 3D Parent Podcast. This is the second in the 3D Parent Bootcamp series. This episode is Becoming Grounded as a 3D Parent. So the 3D Parent model is comprised of four parts, three Ds and one P. So today's episode is all about the one P, which is the parent, and specifically, a grounded parent. Let's dive in. This is what we're talking about today. First of all, when you are grounding yourself in your parenting, we're going to first talk about grounding yourself in your role as the parent. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, you're thinking about yourself almost like an archetype, like a type of individual, a type of parent. I call this parent that is following the 3D parent approach, the nurturing alpha. Let's take that term, the nurturing alpha, and tease it apart into the two different pieces. The first, or actually the second, alpha, that's pretty clear. An alpha is the one who is in charge, just like in a pack of wolves, in a pack of children, the alpha is the one or ones in charge, the clear leaders of the children, the dependents. The second part of the nurturing alpha is the nurturing part. What does that exactly mean? Well, the nurturer is the person who is caring for, providing for, support, and encouraging the growth and development of their children. Nurturing behavior, this looks like expressions of love and empathy and guidance and support. So combined together, the nurturing alpha parent is one that takes the lead in providing all the necessary conditions for positive development, fostering a sense of security, and promoting overall well-being in their children. So creating this environment is one that is conducive to healthy emotional, physical, and psychological growth. That's all the pieces of what makes a nurturing alpha parent. Next, I wanna talk about grounding yourself in your parenting perspective. So this is very much related to on the nurturing alpha. Now, how does a nurturing alpha think about their role as parent or what they're doing in their parenting? Many of us were raised during a period of time that was still very heavily influenced by behaviorism. And that was derived from the work, well, many people, but specifically when you think about behaviorism, 
in terms of a psychological philosophy, you think about the work of B.F. Skinner and the experiments that he did with rats. He was experimenting to see what happened with rewards and consequences like shocks versus pieces of cheese and seeing how he could train these rats to behave the way he wanted them to by giving them either rewards or negative consequences. So that whole philosophy became a key philosophy of parenting and also teaching and child management and child development. The other really common or popular or becoming even more popular philosophy or perspective that one uses when thinking about child raising and parenting is developmentalism. So that is really about looking at the child as not this kind of like thing that needs to be shaped and molded and trained with pieces of cheese or shocks or the equivalent of that for a child, but instead really looking at a child and typical human development. And when it takes for a child to develop from infancy to developing a sense of self and growing up to be mature and healthy in their life. You know, both philosophies are focused on, of course, trying to have the most positive outcomes as possible for children, but they go about it in very different ways. An easier way for me to talk about behaviorism versus developmentalism is to use the analogy of the sculptor versus the gardener. This has been developed into books and courses and classes, many with this like, phrase, sculptor parenting versus gardener parenting. But I'm just going to break it down to you really, really quickly here so you can understand the difference between the sculptor and the gardener. A sculptor parent is one that is following the behaviorist philosophy, the B.F. Skinner rat psychology. And that is a child is kind of just like a blank slate, a lump of clay, a piece of marble or wood. And then the parent is like the sculptor who's there to mold and shape and cut away the bad behaviors or the, the parts they don't want to see and then add and shape in the good behaviors. They focus a lot on actions, behaviors, performance. You'll hear a lot of language around choices, making good choices versus bad choices. A lot of focus in terms of parenting and discipline is on coercion. So coercing behaviors through giving rewards, sticker charts, and prizes, or punishments, removals of privileges, or you know, giving them threats to take away things like TV time or a toy or a play date. That is all coming from this sculptor philosophy, which is based on behaviorism. So counter to that is the gardener philosophy. So that sees a child as a seed or a plant that already has its own uniqueness. It already has its own kind of blueprint in terms of what that child might develop into, much like a seed or plant. And it's the parent's job to support the growth and development of that unique, mysterious seed and to do so to create a fertile environment in which to support the child, to help them grow and flourish so that they can reach their own unique human potential. 
So again, this is based upon the developmental, the, the developmentalist or the developmental psychology philosophy. It focuses heavily on relationships, emotion coaching, and nurturing authentic maturation. This is focused also on drawing out good intentions. It assumes good intentions within people. And then it tries to focus on helping those good intentions to become more common, more typical, more reliable. It also focuses on connection and attachment from to lead and with discipline. And it also focuses on making sense of behaviors versus attempting to control behaviors and looking beneath the surface to address underlying causes to be able to problem solve what's going on for a child and what the behaviors are telling them. So from my perspective, some of the problems that I see with a sculptor behaviorist perspective is well-intended. It's not intended to be harmful to children, of course. Anybody is going about teaching or caretaking or parenting their children, wanting the best outcome for their children. But it's going about it by trying to control and mold and shape a child based upon what the parent kind of sees as being the outcome they'd like to see. It can sometimes give rise to a child feeling picked apart, criticized, not okay the way they are because the parent is focused on trying to mold and shape according to their vision. Control, I've said that a bunch of times when talking about the sculptor perspective, control is really the key mechanism and it's the goal to have control of our child and trying to control their behaviors. It can be highly frustrating for parents and children, especially if you have more intense, feisty spirited children because they don't respond real well to control. So it starts becoming more and more problematic with more complex kids. It's most successful in getting children to act more mature versus encouraging them and helping them to become more mature. There's so much focus on behaviors and imposed consequences and focusing on talking about problematic behaviors that oftentimes the relationship between the parent and child or teacher and child can suffer. I'm sure it's not a shock to you from what I have talked about and the way in which I'm speaking about these two different philosophies that the 3D parent uses a developmental lens, that of a gardener. And here's why, because we're not hoping for kids to act more mature. We actually are looking for authentic emotional maturity and it's a developmental process and it cannot be rushed. So developmentalists recognize that there are three factors that are really in play that lead to a child's growth and maturity and their ability to flourish. Every child has their own unique wiring. Each child is unique as they are. They don't assume a blank slate. They assume that every child has already their own unique temperament and potential in life. The second factor is there's this natural process already in play that helps children grow up, having to do with the way in which the brain develops, having to do with which you know, certain things are turned on inside a child's brain and body. So the developmentalist recognizes this natural process already in play. And thirdly, the developmentalist also recognizes that we have contributions as parents and caregivers that can nurture the growth of this unique child that already is 
developing based on this natural process. And then we can contribute to that and nurture and help them become the best version of themselves they can possibly become. Another reason why this is the chosen lens of the 3D parent is that while decoding problematic behaviors is important in understanding the child, children also do best when we parents are controlling ourselves first and how we're responding to the children versus on focusing on controlling the child. We're controlling ourselves and then making sense of our children and their unique needs. Thirdly, or sorry, fourthly, I think I am in now, the developmental lens is the 3D parents focus because I focus on helping parents develop a secure, deeply rooted attachment because that is the best tool for having a positive influence on children without the use of coercion and fear and shame and all those things that have such a negative impact on the emotional well-being of children. What they really need is that secure, deeply rooted attachment to be able to grow and flourish. So putting more focus back on that is paramount to being able to dive in and become this nurturing alpha gardener parent. Hey there, parents. If you're raising complex kids and navigating the unique challenges that come with it, I've got something special just for you. The 3D Parent Village, your go-to parenting membership community. The 3D Parent Village is not just a membership. It's a supportive community where you can connect with other families who understand the joys and struggles of raising similarly wired children. Hi, I'm Bevan Walters, the OG 3D Parent and your guide in this parenting journey. Join me in the 3D Parent Village and let's tackle the challenges together. Inside the village, you'll find access to parent education, group coaching, and an ever-expanding resource library, all rooted in my unique 3D Parent approach. We focus on parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection. But wait, there is more! With your village membership, you'll also get exclusive access to the 3D Parent On The Go program. Imagine having a direct line to your own trusted parenting coach right in your pocket. Well, that's what the 3D Parent On The Go program provides. Private, personalized, one-on-one -on -one parenting support with me through a convenient app. It's like having a parenting coach at your fingertips whenever you need it. So if you're ready to experience a decrease in isolation, frustration, and overwhelm, follow the link in the show notes to get all the details and sign up for the 3D Parent Village. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that saying more true than when parenting a spicy, spirited, outside-the-box child. Come join us in the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot just for you. Next, I want to talk about things that might get in the way of parents feeling really grounded, both in their role of parent and being the nurturing alpha, the one who is in charge and being very nurturing while being in charge. And also what can get in the way of parents being really grounded in their perspective and their philosophy of parenting. I'm going to identify four main reasons that things can get in the way and make it difficult for parents to be able to feel grounded. The first is a parent who has difficulty maintaining their own emotional regulation. That is really common, particularly for new parents and particularly for parents that might be experiencing the following things. The first, 
stress. Perhaps you have a parent who's experiencing tremendous pressure and stress at their job. Maybe they have a lot of financial pressures. Maybe they're having relationship challenges with their spouse or parenting partner, and that's creating a lot of stress, making them less emotionally regulated. Perhaps you have a parent who doesn't have enough support. They are struggling. They're on their own, and they feel overwhelmed all the time, therefore have difficulty regulating their emotions. Perhaps you also have a parent who is struggling with their mental health. Maybe there's an undiagnosed or not well-managed mental illness like anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, or some form of chemical or behavioral addiction. Another thing that can get in the way, be a barrier to being able to be really grounded in your role, is perhaps a parent's emotional immaturity. Now, if you're still listening to me and you didn't just shut me off because that felt offensive, let me just explain. Development, especially emotional development and maturity, it's a lifelong process. It does not end when you become an adult. It continues lifelong. This ability to be fully mature, emotionally mature. So maybe we got a little bit stuck ourselves, or maybe something happened in our growth and development that got us a little stalled out in our own emotional maturity. Well, nothing like a child, particularly a complex, challenging child to point us right towards our own emotional immaturity and make it really clear to us. Another thing that can really contribute to a parent's emotional immaturity is perhaps being raised by emotionally immature parents themselves. Many people have been raised by parents that had mental health issues or addiction problems, or perhaps were emotionally unavailable. Maybe they were physically available, but just never really talking about the tough stuff, or maybe were distracted, or maybe were gone a lot and you were left kind of on your own. Perhaps you had a parent that was emotionally unstable and really struggled with their own emotional regulation. So you were dealing with a lot of really kind of big emotions coming from your parent, which forced you to kind of have to kind of suppress your own needs. Perhaps you were parentified by a parent. Maybe you were made to take on more of a parenting role of, of your parent, taking care of your parent, or maybe of siblings. You were made to kind of be in charge and take on almost more res adult responsibilities as a child. And therefore, again, your maturity stalled out. That could be a reason why you're struggling with your own emotional regulation is your own emotional immaturity, perhaps stemming from being raised by emotionally immature parents yourself. Another thing is you may be not really aware what your emotional triggers are. So you haven't really identified those triggers and therefore they're just constantly going off for you, almost surprising you even that can be a repeated pattern. That could be a reason why you're having difficulty maintaining your regulation. So it's important if this is you and you're feeling like, yeah, I'm really struggling to stay calm when my kid pushes my buttons. Well, we have to learn to deactivate our buttons. And that could be a big process in and of itself. I'll do future podcast episodes talking about that specifically, but just some like surface level or like not going into a lot of depth on that topic, some things you can do to be a solution for difficulty with emotional regulation. You can really take a look at what you're doing for stress management, self-care, exercise, identifying your triggers, emotional triggers, and then finding and seeking out healing for that it might require some therapy. 
It's a really good idea if you're struggling with emotional regulation and being really reactive to seek help and healing. You may want to find a creative outlet. It might be that you're just spread thin and there's very little fun in your life or creativity in your life. That can be a great way to help with this. It might mean that you're feeling really kind of alone in your struggle. So you might need to find a supportive community, perhaps a spiritual community or a parent group, or maybe an online membership community of some kind that is full of parents that you can connect with virtually if you can't meet with them in person. Or if you're struggling with things like behavioral or chemical addictions, seeking out the help through a recovery group. If you are saying like, yeah, I really struggle with my emotional maturity or I was raised by emotionally immature parents, 100%, get some therapy, be a cycle breaker. Don't continue and perpetuate this same pattern with your own children. You may want to read a really fabulous book called Adult Children of Immature Parents by Dr. Lindsay Gibson. So much great insight there that can help you maybe identify what you were, how you were parented and also identify emotional immaturity within yourself. And definitely, again, therapy, get that healing. That can really make a big difference to heal your childhood wounds. So again, you don't end up passing them on. Other things that can get in the way of you being grounded in your role or your perspective, your philosophy, is perhaps a lack of practice in decoding behaviors. Maybe you're not really good at identifying emotions or what the behaviors mean when your children is acting in certain ways. You don't really know what it means. Sometimes what can happen if you don't have a lot of practice decoding childhood behaviors is you can get stuck in looking at behaviors through an adult lens, saying things like, oh, my child just loves being in control or my child just enjoys pushing buttons. They love getting a rise out of me. That is actually adult talk. Children don't come wired to enjoy traumatizing their parents. That's just not how it works. They also don't like being in control, but oftentimes do tend to take that role on. I work with so many parents in my coaching practice that talk about the fact that, oh my God, my kid is running the house. They just have to be in control all the time. Spoiler alert, kids don't like being controlled. They like being kids. They're in this mode of being in control for a reason. We got to figure out what it is. That is not a natural, comfortable default for children. They don't enjoy it, but they may be in that position because it's more comfortable to them. Or maybe we have accidentally put them in that position. So that's something to take into account as well. Another thing that can happen is parents sometimes can get stuck diagnosing their kids. Oh, my kid lacks empathy. I'm afraid my child's a narcissist. My child gets aggressive sometimes and hits their sibling. I'm afraid they're going to be an abuser. My child is like happy as can be one minute. Next minute, they're full of rage or anxiety. I think my child's bipolar. Listen, all kids have different things and behaviors that could be diagnosable. That's why they don't get diagnosed with these things in childhood because they're just working things out. All children are narcissists. All children have periods where they they resemble what it is to be bipolar. That is not diagnosable. So when we look at our kids and diagnose them, we're falling short of actually trying to understand what their behaviors are telling us. Sometimes something that gets in the way of parents in their 
difficulty decoding behaviors is they don't have a really good handle on their own feelings. They're a bit disconnected from understanding the emotions they're experiencing or the feelings that are being stirred up within them. And therefore, if they can't understand their own feelings and emotions and making sense of what they're feeling, it's impossible to be able to do so in their children. So there's a wonderful book that I would recommend if this sounds like it could be you. It's a book written by Brene Brown called Atlas of the Heart. She has this quote. I want you to listen to this quote. Our connection with others can only be as deep as our connection with ourselves. If I don't know and understand who I am and what I need, want, and believe, I can't share myself with you. Well, that is the same thing when it comes to parenting. I love that book because it goes through gosh, over 50, maybe over 60 different emotions and makes sense of them and breaks them down. It turns out that most of us adults don't have a lot of understanding of the full range of emotions that exist in human behavior. So maybe dig a little deeper, find out a bit more about emotions so that you can better understand what might be going on for yourself and then also your children. Another thing that can get in the way of parents being grounded in their roles, their philosophy, their perspective is difficulty setting boundaries or limits. Why does this happen? Well, a lot of times parents just don't like seeing their children unhappy. It makes them very uncomfortable. They fear their children maybe won't like them. And they think that having a strong relationship with their child requires their child liking them all the time. Therefore, they don't set those limits. Another thing that can happen is parents that didn't have a lot of appropriate boundaries or limits set for them when they were growing up, they don't know how to do it. And so it makes it really difficult to be able to do so for their children. And then the fourth thing that can get in the way of parents being grounded is a lack of confidence. It could be playing out in an inconsistent approach between parents, parenting partners, or even within one parent alone, there's this inconsistency. One day they're they're going to be really firm and the next day they're like, okay, fine, go ahead and have that cookie. I know I said no yesterday, but just go ahead and have it. So they're flip-flopping, inconsistent because they have this lack of confidence. What can happen though, is it can communicate to parents through their actions and their words. They don't know what they're doing. And that makes a child feel insecure and typically makes them even more inclined to try and be in charge of their parents. And another thing is a lack of confidence. It might look like a parent who has a lot of doubt and self-doubt. And then this constant pursuit of answers and tools and tips and tricks from parenting experts. As I said in my last episode, that used to be me. I was constantly looking for answers. I didn't have confidence in myself as a parent to know what to do with my children. And so I was looking for these parenting experts to tell me what to do. I didn't realize that there is no parenting expert except for me when it comes to my children. So I had to learn how to be the parenting expert of my own children. And that meant I had to be grounded and understand my role. I had to understand my perspective that I wanted to take with my children and then really work hard to push down all the barriers that were getting in the way of me showing up in the way I intended to as a parent. Lastly, I'm going to talk about grounding yourself in your parenting intentions, your why. I'll start off by reading this wonderful quote by one of my favorites, 
Dr. Gordon Neufeld and Gabor Mate in their book, Hold On To Your Kids. The quote is, children do not experience our intentions, no matter how heartfelt. They experience what we manifest in tone and behavior. Let that sink in for a minute. I'll say it one more time. Children do not experience our intentions, no matter how heartfelt. They experience what we manifest in tone and behavior. A lot of times when parents start working with me, they'll talk about all their struggles and then they'll say, well, you know, I know my kids know I love them. There's no doubt that they know I love them. And I I don't doubt the parents either when they say that. However, I also know that love is not enough. A child can grow up knowing the parent loves them, but still feel really insecure, feel really struggle at life, even though they know their parents love them because it might have to do with what we're doing with our actions. We might have the best intentions, but our actions are not actually really lining up with what our intentions are. So think for a minute, what are your actions saying to your kids? Do your kids feel safe? Do they feel supported? Do they feel loved unconditionally? Do they feel a sense of being invited into our presence when they're happy and when they're mad, when they're full of joy and happiness and when they're frustrated or angry or tantruming? Do they still feel welcome when they're not at their best? When they're positive, yeah, I'm sure they feel welcomed your presence. They feel welcome into your presence when they're being negative. They need to feel that. Do your kids, do they feel a sense of you delighting in their presence? Or do they feel like they're not significant, that they don't matter at times? Think about that. Reflect upon that. Intentions, having really great parenting intentions are good, but they don't mean anything to a child if they're not matched with actions that match those intentions. Parenting, it's hard, and children are wildly inconvenient. Sometimes we fall short, and that's okay. We're human. We need to give ourselves grace to make mistakes and to fail. However, we also need to find the ability to reflect and recognize when we're falling short and then find the motivation to make changes so our kids don't struggle from the parenting they're receiving from us. So I'm going to share with you now some motivation to help you be motivated to take a look at your intentions and your actions. Be self-reflected. To be self-reflective and determine how grounded you are and if your parenting intentions are in line with your actions. First thing that can motivate you is to reflect upon this. Are you providing the parenting your child will not need to recover from as an adult. Another question I want you to think about and reflect upon, what might your children say at your funeral or how might they talk about you after you're gone? What will they tell their children about you as a parent? And then thirdly, are you parenting in a way that will earn you the right to a relationship with your child when they are an independent adult? It is not a right that our children will want to have a relationship with us when they're adults. That's a privilege. And that is a privilege that is earned 
by the parenting you're providing your children right now as they're growing up. All of us, of course, want to have relationships with our children that are lifelong. But will our children want that when they are grown adults? Or will they feel a lot of hurt, a lot of wounding? Will they want a relationship with you, but not one that is really the one that you would hope to have with them? One that is really kind of strained or has challenging feelings underlying them, or one that is fraught with conflict or periods of estrangement becoming more and more common for adult children to desire estrangement from their parents. What are you doing to earn the privilege? What are you doing to earn the privilege to have a relationship with your child when they're a grown adult? Reflect upon that. So that's all I have for you in terms of this particular episode, grounding yourself as a parent in your role, in your philosophy, in your perspective, taking a look at what's getting in the way, and then motivating yourself to match your parenting intentions with your actions. The next episode in this boot camp series is going to tackle the first of the three Ds, and that is parenting with direction. I will speak to you on that next episode. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope our conversation has inspired your journey towards building deeper connections with your children and strengthened your resolve to match your parenting intentions with your words and actions. If today's insights resonated with you, the greatest thank you I could receive would be for you to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share my podcast with others. And for those of you seeking more support with your parenting, consider joining the 3D Parent Village, a nurturing membership community designed for families raising complex kids like yours. Inside the village, connect with like-minded parents, find relief from isolation and overwhelm, and gain access to educational resources, group coaching, and personalized support, all rooted in the transformative 3D Parent approach. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that sentiment more true than when parenting a complex child. So come join us at the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot for you.